0: This morning, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, we'll be looking at uh, verses 15 through the end of the chapter, and this morning we're going to see the replacement of Judas Iscariot and all the application at the end of the message of uh, what that would mean to us. Uh, we saw last week Jesus ascending, but by no means uh Did he leave and uh, became very inactive in his people? No. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit, which will begin next week on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes in great power. But this week we want to deal uh, with the choosing of the vacancy of Judas Iscariot. Who takes the place uh, uh, of him of Judas and uh, what that involved? So there's a lot here for us. I believe there are different interpretations about some of the things, and that's fine. If you want to hold to certain things, that's that's as long as it's not going to uh, be heresy in the sense of the fundamentals of the faith. There there are there is room for uh, different interpretations along the way and so and i would be glad to listen to those interpretations too because i certainly need to learn as i go along so let's read together verses 15 through 26 of acts chapter 1 and in those days that is roughly the 10 days between the ascension and pentecost that's my parentheses there it's not scripture but i'll just explain as we go Uh, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, altogether the number of the names was about a hundred and twenty, and said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. Quite graphic. And it became known to all who who dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called, in their own language, uh, akodama, that is, field of blood. Verse 20, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justus, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, meaning Christ, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Of course, Judas Iscariot was not an apostle at heart. Matter of fact, he wasn't a believer. We'll learn that this morning. And so, uh, and, and all that that involves. And so it's really a lot here. It's a sad story. As we all know, it was a It was something they had to deal with, and they did. But last week we learned that they were waiting in Jerusalem. They were praying, and of course this was in obedience to Christ. They were waiting, they were praying, worshiping Him, and rejoicing uh, at the same time. And so they were not idle either. And of course now, during this waiting period, uh, we see one thing that they did uh, while waiting. And they had a business meeting. So you might call this the first business meeting after the Ascension. Uh, And their agenda was to replace Judas, who had betrayed our Lord and committed suicide, and as Peter said, went to his own place. And uh, sad to say that was... uh, Not a good place. And I know it broke Peter's heart as he even had to, uh, to say this. But I want to look at three things this morning and then apply that to ourselves. What was the rationale? What was the rationale for this decision? Of course, Jesus had chosen 12 uh, apostles. And uh, 12 was not an arbitrary number. It was significant. Uh, And, of course, I think Jesus uh, chose 12 to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's interesting in, in the Gospels, we find in Luke 22, 29, and 30, it says, And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me to his disciples, now he's talking, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones, Judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And I assume that each one would be judging a tribe. Well, there are 11 now and they needed 12. Uh, and we see also in Matthew 19:28, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have fallen me will also sit on, notice, 12 thrones, Judging the 12 tribes of Israel. There were only 11, 11 of them, so they needed another one uh, to, uh, to be complete. And so we have here this, that picture, and Peter taking care of that situation. And, of course, we know the, the true Israel of God, the true Israel, not just because you were uh, related by blood, uh, born an Israelite, but uh, they were made up of Jews and Gentiles, and we find in uh, uh, that that man, not because he is circumcised in the flesh, Paul says, but because he had a circumcision of the heart, a heart change. He was born again. He was a true believer. Though that's the true Israel of God, not because you were born. Uh, in a, a Jewish family so he's and he also says in Romans 11 25 and 26 I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery brothers and sisters so that you may not be conceited Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in and that's a great number praise God for that uh, through the centuries it's a huge number And in this way, all Israel will be saved. All Israel will be saved. And so that's a promise uh, from our our God. And, of course, we know that salvation is not by works. It's not uh, because of your parents or your heritage or anything else. It's by faith and trust in the living God and Christ alone. And uh, so... The obvious reason why we replace Judas is because Judas was gone. Uh, He was no longer there. And uh, he was uh, a non-believer. Judas Iscariot will not be um, in heaven. We know that uh, as a fact. And, of course, if Judas had not killed himself and he had been a believer, then... This probably would not have taken place, but there was a vacancy. There was an apostle who really was an apostle at heart. In other words, he cannot be there judging a tribe. Why? Because he's not going to. He won't be there. He won't be a believer. Uh, that's uh, uh, should be obvious. And and if again, if you disagree and you want to talk to me about this, uh, I, I'm willing to listen because there are common. Uh, uh commentators that uh, hold different views it'd be impossible to go through all of those but uh, it is sad though that uh, his apostasy his betrayal was his demise and uh, even though Judas saw himself guilty and uh, of killing innocent blood, and uh, an innocent one, he did not repent. He did not repent. As a matter of fact, he went out and hanged himself. As a matter of fact, scripture says that he was the son of perdition. Jesus said uh, in John 17, 12, he says, While I was with them, this is the apostles, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, and that's the son of perdition, uh, the one decreed doomed uh, to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. So this was a fulfilling of Scripture. Uh, Also, it's interesting that the Antichrist is also called... Uh, the, the son of perdition, don't anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawless, lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction or the son of perdition. And uh, we'll s- apply that at the at the end of the, the message. But... Uh, we find in in Acts chapter one, verses eighteen and uh, and nineteen. Uh, we find Luke here describes uh, what happened uh, to Judas. And uh, notice they're in parentheses, which is sort of not what Peter was preaching, but this is what Luke puts in, as as I believe. And again, there are those that would hold differently, and that's fine. But this was not part of Peter's speech. This was uh, Luke adding that, I believe. Also, we see in Matthew chapter 27, uh, speaking of Judas here, Matthew says, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. And you would say, oh, that's, that's repentance. No, and returned returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So Jesus threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself the chief priest picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. In other words, blood money for for killing uh, uh, Jesus, betraying Jesus. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. In other words, they didn't accept the money. It was not their money. It wasn't the temple. It was Judas's money. Okay, it still belonged to Judas. And uh, that is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. This is the prophecy that was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. And uh, so we see here a fulfillment scripture. So when you read those two accounts there seems to be a contradiction and uh, there's always somebody says isn't there a contradiction here between what we find Luke saying and then what uh, uh, what Matthew says. No there is no contradiction. Remember great men, great scholars have studied the scriptures and they have searched the scriptures and if there was a contradiction they would no longer believe it. Now, I'm not saying you're trusting what they are holding to or anything like that. But what I'm saying is the scriptures have been thoroughly searched. And these seeming contradictions are not contradictions at all. And people are going to ask you, though, isn't there, a, aren't, you hear that all the time, do you not? Oh, there are contradictions everywhere in the scripture. And then you always say, show me one. Well, if you do that, you better be ready to answer to give an answer uh, for the hope that's within you because sometimes they'll go to this scripture and there's oh there's a contradiction here well let's uh, let's see if there is there's no contradiction because both records say that uh, judas died a horrible death and uh, that the field was purchased with 30 pieces Uh, it was called the field of blood and uh but what are the discrepancies then here? The discrepancy seems to be, Matthew says, he hanged himself. And yet Luke says, he fell and burst asunder. Wait a minute. It doesn't mention he hanged himself. Well, what, he doesn't tell the whole story. You have to sort of read between the lines. What it was is he hanged himself. Probably the limb broke. Or somebody came along a day later when he was swollen or whatever, cut the rope, and he fell, and his bowels burst open. And blood came forth and uh, and what have you. It's a pretty gory picture, so, you know, your mind can't stay there too long. But uh, it was a pretty gruesome thing that happened here. But uh, also, uh, it's... Who purchased the field? That seems to be a contradiction. Matthew says the priest uh, took the money and bought the field. Luke seems to say that Judas himself bought the field. So which is it? Uh, well, remember, the money is still Judas's money. And so when it was purchased, it was in effect purchased by him because it's his money they didn't want to have anything to do with it so uh, it was his it was Judas's field and uh, they gave it all back uh, in that way Uh, so it belonged to Judas since it was purchased with his money that's the answer I think and uh, by the way he lost it all He lost his soul. He lost his apostleship for what? A field. A desolate field where he didn't even live. No one lived there. It was a cemetery where people were buried. It's a sad story. I'll touch on that at at the end as well. Uh, And what about the field of blood? Uh, Matthew's account said it was... Blood money, that it was uh, because of betraying Christ. It was blood money. And then Luke's account, it was Judas' blood that was spilled. Well, what do you say to this? Both are true, okay? Both are true. It was the field of blood. And some people said it's a field of blood because of the innocent blood betraying Christ. Others said, "No, it's field of blood because of the of Judas' blood. That was uh, uh, the money that was used to purchase the field." And so, so there's no contradiction, and so don't be tricked by those people who are looking for a reason not to believe, uh, and that's all it is. But both are true. The remarkable thing, though, is that Matthew points out it was already recorded in prophecy. Jeremiah. Now that's an amazing thing. Dwell on that. We have the scriptures that have been fulfilled, written by Jeremiah. That's amazing when you think about uh, the fulfillment of scripture. Second thing this morning though, what gave them the right to make this decision about Matthias in choosing an apostle? And some teach like uh, G. Campbell Morgan and some others, but him in particular say that Peter made a mistake in fulfilling this vacancy. Uh, He should have waited because the choice of Paul uh, uh, was made by Christ later on. And, uh, And the reason for that is Matthias is never mentioned again. Well, Thomas is never mentioned again, and others are not mentioned again. So that's really not an excuse. And plus, when you read this, Luke, who is writing this, who was a fan of Paul, loved Paul, if that had been a mistake, don't you think he would have said that? I really do. I don't think he could have overlooked that. It would have all been cleared up. But no, uh, Luke doesn't say it was a mistake. He doesn't say that at all. I think three things that give... Us uh, gives this warrant, or that we can say this is correct. What they did was correct. There's scriptural warrant for that, and uh, there's scriptural warrant for what they did, and that is fulfilling scriptures. We'll see in a minute. But remember, as we saw last week. In Luke 24, verse 45, it says, Then he opened their minds, this is Christ, so they, they could understand the Scriptures. So their minds had already been opened up. And so what they were doing is going back and saying, Wow, here's a Scripture that teaches that his office is to be filled, and so they were fulfilling Scripture. And I think it's pretty clear when we understand uh, in that way. But... Peter quotes Psalm sixty-nine and Psalm one hundred and nine, uh, and speaking of Judas as uh, fulfilling these scriptures. Did you did you see that when we uh, when we read that it says, "Let uh, let his dwelling place be de- desolate." That's speaking of Judas. In other words, it became a cemetery. It became a cemetery where no one lived. It was desolate. There were bodies there, but uh, no one living there. And let no one live in it. They did. They were there, but they weren't living. And then the next scripture, let another take his office. And so he was to be replaced. And so they were fulfilling scripture by what they were doing. And so if you want to hold to the other, that's fine. Uh, That's really not... uh, uh, that important in, in my understanding. Uh, and then we um, they also exercised, I believe, sound principles of wisdom, of common sense. Uh, they choose men who were not novices. They chose men who had, Uh, met the requirements of being an apostle from john the baptist as we read uh, until the risen lord and that's why there are no apostles today in this sense because there's no one around here that saw the risen lord now paul did of course when christ appeared to him as a risen lord but uh if you want to say well they're apostles today, I would say well apostle is a messenger. Yeah, there are messengers today, and if you want to call them apostles, have at it. But apostle was one who uh, was chosen by uh, our Lord to serve in a very special way. They wrote Scripture, uh, and we'll we'll study what uh, what took place in their life as we as we already have, but. Uh, also they uh, prayed to Jesus uh, for uh, God uh, for Christ to choose which one of these men that he would have. And the lot of course fell on Matthias. but did you see there in uh, verse 24 it says, "And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, that is Lord Jesus, this Curios is always speaking of Christ just about every time. You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. Okay? So very clearly, uh, they're not corrected, and they chose Matthias. Now, who's going to be on those uh, 12 thr- thrones and all that? I don't know. I mean, that's that's really... Not my concern at, at this point. God's got it all sorted out. And, uh, uh, but they prayed to Jesus. And we see in a business meeting, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but in a business meeting, we should first of all pray to Jesus and ask him uh, to direct our meeting. So what were the results of the decision, the outcome they cast lots. They cast lots. And uh, this was unique. You don't find the casting of lots in the epistles, and, uh, which is interesting. But uh, uh, there was another one, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, who was killed by Herod. That's found in, in Acts chapter 12, 1 and 2. And some people say that Paul replaced him again. But it says it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church uh, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And so did Paul take his place? I don't know. And I'm not really sure it's that important uh, to know that. But... uh, Being as it may, uh, John Stott has a real good way of summing everything up to this this point. He says now, John Stott does, the stage is set for the day of Pentecost. The apostles have received Christ's commission and seen his ascension. Uh, The apostolic team is now complete again, ready to be his chosen witnesses. Only one thing is missing. The Spirit has not yet come. Though the place left vacant by Judas has been filled, the place left vacant by Jesus has not been filled by the Spirit. Interesting thought, interesting way he puts that. And so, what is application for us today? Decision making should be scriptural. Should be spiritual. Uh, We see that there needs to be uh, prayer and wisdom. Uh, Peter was not a dictator in this situation. He looked, or I should say, they looked to Christ. Um, Someone said, Some people, and this is interesting. Some people, and I think it's true, and I've seen it in churches, some people in churches wear wings to church and horns to business meetings. And I've seen that. Ooh, and get ugly, ugly. And uh, it ought not to be. Because remember, with God, uh, everything's important to him. Not only the time that we come and worship him, but the time that we uh, run his business. So remember that when we come together. Also, secondly, there are those like Judas who are physically in church, but not real believers. They're physically here, but they're not really believers. Remember, being in a garage Does not make you a car. Being in church does not make you a Christian. Remember, and this is a solemn warning to all of us Matthew chapter 7, 21 and 23. Jesus says this, and you know what? Judas probably said, Lord, to to Jesus. He was his Lord. They called him Lord and Master. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Certainly Judas did not that. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Judas may have even performed miracles. I don't know. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Never knew you. It's not that I knew you and then you were lost. No, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Pretty stern warning, isn't it? Just because you come to church does not make you a believer. Have you accepted Christ? Is He your Lord this morning? Are you worshiping and serving and living for Him? Doing His will? That's the important thing. Also thirdly, there is uh, th- uh, those in leadership can fall and cause a terrible scandal. Uh, deacons, elders, pastors are not exempt from Satan's attack. Uh, and really here I'm preaching to myself, uh, it's a solemn warning. Judas Iscariot is scary, it is. Believe me, Satan attacks those in leadership, and I just pray that you will be praying for me and all the elders and and leaders in this church every day as we come to your mind. And uh, he attacks those in leadership. Fourthly, only those uh, who have proven to be faithful men should be given leadership positions in the church. And... uh, uh, we find in Timothy, and we we've went through Timothy, and so it says here in 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable, or the other word is faithful, and I like that better, faithful people who will also be qualified to teach others. They need to be faithful, faithful, stable uh, people. And also First Timothy 3, 1 through 6. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see his children obey him. He he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, a novice, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgments as the devil. And so... It's important. It's important that leaders in church uh, have the right qualifications, that they are faithful. They're faithful. How do you pick out leaders in a church? Men who are already faithful in little things. You know what? If you're faithful in little things, what does the Scripture say? Well, what does Matthew 25, 22, and 23 say? This is the, the parable about the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and what? Faithful. Faithful. God wants us to be faithful. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So we see, uh, fifthly, God is sovereign even over the sinful actions of men. God is sovereign even over the sinful actions of men. But man is still responsible For those actions. Yes. God decreed Judas would fall. Before the foundation of the world. Yes that Judas. Would be the son of perdition. But also yes. He willingly. Did what he did. He was not coerced. Forced by God. To be what he was. This was coming from Judas. Himself. And he was responsible Peter says in verse 16, it was necessary. Scripture must be fulfilled. And so in Scripture you have both the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Both are there and both have to be believed. Uh, Both are true. I hope you've come to grips with that. It's something we all wrestle with at times. Uh, But both are true. And then sixthly, a remembrance uh, of our own sins, of our own falling short, should temper how we speak of the sins of others. I think it's ironical that that Peter here is the spokesman. Peter is the one who denied Christ. He denied Christ. And yet he is the one who is speaking of Judas' sin. But you notice Peter is not slamming Judas. Peter was a fiery, fiery I mean, he was bold and he spoke. And if you read 2 Peter, you'll see that. But here he is gentle in what he has to say. I think it's because Peter realized the grace of God in his own life. If not but for the grace of God, Peter would have gone the same way. And he gives praise and glory to God, remembering how rotten, how rotten Peter himself was. Yeah, Judas was did badly. And Judas betray, betrayed Christ. And yet, Peter himself denied Christ. And even says... Instead of saying he burned in hell forever and ever and he deserved it and what a rotten guy he really was, he says, and he went to his own place. So I think we see here uh, the tenderness of Peter. Yeah, bold, but tender. Uh, Not using harsh words like he could have. Uh, Also, and then lastly, no earthly gain can compensate for the loss of one soul. And this is the emphasis this morning. No earthly gain can compensate for the loss of your own soul. What did Judas gain? What did Judas gain? A field he never lived in. It was no bargain. He gave up his soul for a field. What are you living for? What are you living for? Are you living for this world? Are you living for what's here? For the now and now? Are you living for christ jesus said in the last verse this morning matthew sixteen twenty six, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world all judas got was a field yet forfeit their soul or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul Let me ask you this morning. If you're an unbeliever, what's keeping you from Christ? What is keeping you from Christ? Is there an idol in your life that you're holding on to? Something that you're treasuring? Something that you consider most valuable and you're not going to let it go? Or you're going to cling to Christ and let all of it go. Think of that in your own life. What is there in your life that's more important than your own soul? Have you come to Christ? Have you you trusted Him? Have you cast all your care? Have you said, Lord, save me because I'm a rotten sinner. Lord, save me because I can't save myself. I can't be good enough. I can't do enough. Save me, Lord. I'm a wretched, miserable sinner who is lost without you. Have you done that in your own heart and life? And if not, I would encourage you to do that. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to come in and He'll change you by His mighty power. He will give you a new life. A new reason to live. And matter of fact, everything in this world Will be easy to give up once you have Christ. Once you have Him, He will all, it'll be all that you care about. Not totally, because we all uh, sin and fall short, but He is worth it. He is worth it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that by your grace, you've saved us. Lord, as we study this man, Judas, Uh, Lord, we're saddened uh, at His outcome. But Lord, we know that this is the outcome of all who reject Christ, of all who don't repent and turn to Christ and find life in Him, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by Him. Lord, if there's anyone here in this congregation, because, Lord, we can, we can be physically here as Judas was, physically with Jesus, and yet did not know Him, did not trust Him, did not believe Him. So, God, work in our hearts and our lives. Show us who we really are and help us to repent. In Jesus' name, amen.